going to share with you today may be sensitive to some of you, but we need to talk about it. Okay? So maybe just as a starting point, I can say to you, sometimes there are things that happen and we don't know why. And sometimes we ask ourselves questions, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And still, sometimes we don't know why. Sometimes we know. But I've realized that actually most of the times that we have questions, the subject of death brings a lot of questions to some of us. Okay? Sometimes you would hear questions like, why did this person have to die? Why did that person die young? What happened there? What happened there? If they die, what about this? What about people who died without uh, having heard the gospel because it was never preached to them? What about this? What? We've got so many questions. The Bible also has several questions about death. But I want us to go there and look at some of the questions. We'll look at those questions first from the Bible cult standpoint, but also we relate those questions to questions that we ourselves should answer in our own lives. Start with me in the book of Job 14.14 14, in New King James Version. It says, If a man dies, shall he live again? That's a question. If a man dies, shall he live again? Okay, look another question in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 54 and 55 in the King James Version. Here it was the question that should be asked when we have now come to that stage where we now have put on our immortal bodies when the Lord has come back and there would come a time when some of these questions would be asked. Look at this, verse 54 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, King James Version. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now verse 55, questions. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? So it means some of these questions would become real at a certain point in time, but we also have questions that we have even as we speak. Sometimes people die and sometimes you feel, why did that person die so young? And maybe the person was even a good person, the person was even a Christian. But then, do we say it's wrong, is it right? What? We've got questions, we are human beings. So that's why I want us to look at some of those questions, some of which we won't answer them, we'll just pose the questions. But some will see if the scriptures give us some answers to some of those questions. Go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7 verse 15 to 17 in the Living Bible, TLB. It says, In this silly life I've seen everything, including the fact that some of the good die young and some of the wicked live on and on. So don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why should you die before your time? Okay, so he talks about, he says, I've seen so many things here in the earth, some of which are facts. He said, I've seen the fact that some of the good die young, and some of the wicked live on and on, and we don't understand why. Okay, but he says that's some of the things that we have, this, some of these questions. But I like the question that he asked at the end. 
which is the question that I think all of us we should ask ourselves, or I should ask you. He says, the latter part of verse 17, why should you die before your time? So today I want us to talk about why die before your time? Why die before your time? And you say to me, Pastor, do you mean I've got a choice? Are our days not already set up by God? And why, what do you mean by my time and that one's time? Because we've got Jesus. He lived only 33 years and he died because he had fulfilled. He went to the cross and he fulfilled his mission. We've got a person like Methuselah, 969 years. And then he died. But then we can't say how many years you must live or how many years I must live. But it's about my time. I mustn't die before my time. Okay? Why should you die before your time? Which means it's possible to die before your time. Look at it with me in the book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 27, Good News Translation, GNT. It says, Obey the Lord, and you will live longer. The wicked die before their time. I'm seeing two things here. It says, Obey the Lord, and you will live longer. It means you've got something to do that can make you live longer. And it says the wicked die before their time. It's actually, there are times sometimes when you can do things that will cut short your life. Okay? We can't say that's God's time for you to die. We can't say it's God uh, who orchestrated that. No, there are a lot of deaths that are coming as a result of the enemy coming in to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Because John 10.10 10 says, The thief cometh not, but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So I want to show you that indeed some of the deaths are not necessarily that is because that's God's appointed time for you to die. But it's because the enemy is robbing you. Okay? Look at this example in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 29 to 13, the message translation. So this is talking about when people partake of the Holy Communion without observing themselves, without first uh, uh, making sure that they are not living in sin and discerning the, 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 the Lord's body. It says, If you give no thought, or worse, if you don't care about the broken body of the master when you eat and drink, you are running the risk of serious consequences. That's why so many of you, even now, are listless and sick, and others have gone to an early grave. Others have gone to an early grave, meaning they have died prematurely, okay? So, if indeed he talks about you can die prematurely, I do, that's the question that's asked. But the question I like more, it's a question that should ask me if I want to live long. Okay, look at it with me in the book of Psalms 3412, NLT. Psalms 3412, NLT, it says, does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? So if that question was asked me, I would quickly lift up my hand and say, yes, I want to live a life that is long and prosperous. If I'm given a choice, yes, I want to live long, a long life and a prosperous life. So that's why it asked me, does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Yes, I do. So you can answer it for yourself. So we can't determine for somebody 
how long they should live or how long they should not live. It's your own choice. It's my own choice. It's the personal matter between me and my God. It means we talk about this with my God. So instead of me leaving things to the enemy to decide to kill, because it says the thief cometh not, but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Jesus says, but I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. It means I will try and see if I can do something to prolong my days on the earth, to live long on the earth, because I still have so many things to do. Go with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, in the New King James Version, NKJV. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. This is very clear. It says you can do something if you want to live long on the earth. You can honor your mother and your father. This is a commandment, but it also has a promise. In other words, some of the commandments, you may be given a command, but you don't have to be given an incentive to obey the command. You don't have to have a promise with it. But this one, there is an incentive. It says, if you honor your mother and your father, this comes with this commandment comes with a promise. And the promise is that you may live long on the earth, that it may be well with you, and you live long on the earth. So if it says live long on the earth, some of you, if it had just said, so that you may live long, you would say, no, this is a spiritual connotation. But it's saying live long on the earth, which means it's talking about living long here on earth. And if you know that what I need to do, I haven't finished yet. I know the Lord has revealed to me that I still need to do this and this and this and this for him. Like some of us, we know what the Lord wants us to do in this life. We know the calling of God upon our lives. We know what God wants us to do. For example, some of us, we still know that we also still need to build the house for the Lord. So there are many things that we are still remaining here on earth to fulfill. I want you to look at it with me in the book of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to look at Simeon, because Simeon had a revelation that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. So it means if people had said to him, Simeon, you are going to die anytime. You may die even tomorrow. You never know. Maybe you move out of here and then you die. No, he would have said no. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me that I will not die until I have seen the Messiah. So before I see the Messiah, I can't go. I can't quit. Look at it with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 29, AMPC. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, cautiously and carefully observing the divine law and looking for consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26. And it had been divinely revealed, communicated to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So it says it was divinely revealed and communicated to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he had that revelation. He knew that I can't go now. I still have something that I'm waiting for. I can't go before I see the Messiah. Doesn't matter what other people would say. 
Some people might be saying, you never know Simeon. Actually, it's all in God's hands. You would say, yes, but I know between me and my God, we have agreed I'm not going to go until I see the Messiah. And look at it this way. When he had seen the Messiah, he was so much willing now to depart. Look at it. Continue it with me. Verse 27, 28, and 29. I want 29. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure, and when the parents brought in the little Jesus to do for him what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God and said, And now, Lord, you are releasing your servant to depart. Leave this world in peace according to your word. So he says, I've been waiting. Now that I have seen the Messiah, Lord, release me. I can depart now. I like to live like that. I like to live in a way where you have a revelation about what God has promised and you stick with it. And you don't allow people's thoughts and views and ideas to influence you. Sometimes we look at experiences of other people. Sometimes we see a lot of questions saying, what do you mean you don't have to die before your time? What about such great men of God? What about that one? What about that one? No, we shouldn't talk about others. We don't know what was the agreement between them and their God. We don't even know if it was the right time or not. Okay? But you can talk about yourself. Why die before my time? So Simeon said, Now, Lord, that I have seen the Messiah, may you release me to depart. Look at Hezekiah. The Hezekiah example, I always, when I talk about long life, I don't leave it out because it's a typical example where somebody could even decide, I want to leave, even if God says it's time to depart. It's not, it wasn't even the enemy trying to steal the life of Hezekiah. Look at it with me. Isaiah 38, 1 to 5. Isaiah 38, 1 to 5 NIV. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. You see, when the Lord speaks, usually we just say, Let it be. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Okay? Now, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with a wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to, 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 to Isaiah, Go and tell Hezekiah, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. Did you see that? So in other words, there was a time that Hezekiah was supposed to die. And the Lord says, you are going to die. You will not recover. But Hezekiah felt, uh -uh. <clears throat> I'm not ready to go yet, Lord. <clears throat> Even if you say, it's time for me to go, but I don't feel I'm ready. And then he turned his face to the wall 
Because some of the people, sometimes you find that we end up uh, just saying because the Lord has said, or we fight with the people who are telling us a report. It's like you go to the doctors and they tell you your sickness is so advanced that you only have three months to live. And now you start fighting with them. No, they're just telling you facts. So you need to know what you want to do to determine your future, whether to prolong your life or not. But it doesn't help to fight with them. So Hezekiah did not fight with the man of God. When the man of God said this, you see, it's even more painful when you hear it from the man of God. Say, imagine you come to me as your pastor and say, Pastor, pray with me that I may be healed. And I say, the Lord has revealed to me that you are not going to live, you are going to die. How will you feel? So what you need to do is turn your face to the wall. Start reminding God, if you are not ready to go yet, and tell the Lord whatever you want to tell him, like Hezekiah. So Hezekiah talked talk to the Lord until the Lord said, I'm going to add 15 more years to your life. And you still tell me my days are numbered? Because he says here, even if it was time, but I'm not ready to go yet. And the Lord agreed with him. He said, yes, at first I said you were not going to recover. You are going to die. But now I agree with you. It's fine. Can I give you 15 more years? And then Hezekiah thought, that's fine. But the thing in my heart that makes me think Hezekiah was not prepared to die, even though he was told he must, he's going to go. He tried to imagine death. I want you to go down with me to the book, to verse 9, to verse 11, and then verse 18 to 20 in the same NIV. So he tried to imagine death. I know some of you usually when you feel sick and that and that, you start calling people, you start calling your relatives, you tell them what is where, I've got this policy there, and what kind of a casket you must do for me, and all that and all that. So when Hezekiah was thinking, he was thinking, huh? I still have a lot to do. For me to go now, I can imagine being carried in a coffin, being buried, so look at it with me, verse 9 and 10 to 11. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovered. Verse 10. I said, in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? You see what he asked himself? He thought, I'm still in the prime of my life. Must I go through the gates of death, and be robbed of the rest of my life? I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow men or be with those who now dwell in the world. So he started thinking about those things. Then he realized, uh -uh, I don't think I need to go now. Let me talk to the Lord about this. Now, he talks, he talks to the Lord and talks to the Lord. Then verse 18 to 20, he says, for the grave cannot praise you. In other words, why should I run to the grave? For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you, as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives, in the temple of the Lord. Did you see that? So he says, I'm thinking about 
if I were to go at the prime of my life, this would be the good. But Lord, even for you, I mean, if I've got to go to the grave, I won't be able to praise you in the grave. Can't I live and still spend time praising you? And then the Lord added 15 more years to his life. So I want to say to you, even if people have told you, you are going to die, you will not live. It depends on whether you still want to live or not. Go with me to the book of Proverbs 18.14 in the Good News Translation, GNT. Proverbs 18.14, GNT. It says, Your will to live can sustain you when you are sick. But if you lose it, your last hope is gone. Now, if he talks about your will to live, can sustain you when you are sick. So take Hezekiah. Hezekiah was sick. Hezekiah was told he was going to die. But his will to live, his determination to live, made sure that he lived. Do you know that sometimes when people are told a certain, maybe you are told you've got terminal illness, you've got HIV, you've got cancer, you've got this, then you start curving into fear and start being afraid and start surrendering to die. But this verse here says your will to live can sustain you when you are sick. If you lose it, your last hope is gone. So don't lose your will to live. Don't lose your determination to live. If you still want to live, of course. Okay? It's not that as Christians we should not die or we don't have to die. We should die. It's actually far much better to be with the Lord. Go with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 21 to 26 in NIV. You will see Paul, because of this issue, he also had now an issue that he had to contend with. He had to say, I know dying as a Christian is a good thing because I will be with Christ. Actually, when we cry for our beloved who have died, being Christians, we are actually crying for ourselves because those people are in better place. They are in a better place. It's far much better to be with the Lord. It's the best place you could ever be, being in the presence of the Lord. So it means there is nothing wrong with departing and being with Christ. It's far much better there. But Paul then, he says, I've got a dilemma. Look at it with me, Philippians 1, 21 to 26 NIV. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's start there. If he says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, it means dying and being with Christ, it's a very good thing. I gain if I die. But then he also knew that I don't have to be forced to gain. I gain at a time when I want to gain, okay? Even though to die is gain, I don't have to be pushed to gain. So look at it. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. You see why he was conflated? He didn't know what to choose because he had a choice to make. Do I die and be with Christ, which is far much better? That's the best thing that could happen to any Christian. But then, there's still some things that I need to do. So what must I do now? So he says, yet what I shall choose, I don't know. Verse 23. I am torn between the two. 
I desire, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Okay? I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Verse 24. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Now, he says, I've got these two things. If I depart and be with Christ, for me, that's the best deal. But I know you still need me. So I'm torn between the two. What must I choose? I don't know. But ultimately, he makes a choice. Verse 25 and 26. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in faith so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So if you look at this, he says, for your sake, I think I need to remain. It's almost like what Simeon said when, he said, when Simeon knew, I'm not going to go until I see the Messiah. So some of you, you still have a lot of things to do. Some of us, we still have a lot of work to do. I still need to travel all over the world and share the word of God as a teacher of the word. We still need to build the house of the Lord together. So it's ain't time to preach for some of us. You can also choose if you have something that you need to do and you know the Lord has revealed to you that you don't have to depart. You can make that determination. You can make that choice yourself. But there also comes a time when you realize, I've done what I need to do. I need to depart. Then you can depart. Because it's far much better to be with Christ. Because even uh, Simeon, you can see that he was actually longing to go. Because it's like he was just waiting because I had to see the Messiah. I had to see the Messiah. The moment Jesus was brought into the temple and he held him in his arms, he said, Lord, now you can release your servant to depart. I've been waiting to go, but I couldn't go until I see the Messiah. Now, even Paul, there was a time here where he was saying, I still have for your sake, I still need to remain for your sake, I still need to remain, until there came a time when he realized, I'm ready now, I want to go. Second Corinthians, 2 Timothy, let's go together. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8, New King James Version. King James Version. The Bible is very nice. These things are good to me. When this word is revealed to me, I get excited about it, and you cannot convince me any other way because it's there in the scriptures. Just like Simeon, it was told, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So when I see something in the scriptures and I see it's a pattern, it's repeated, I take it. I don't get convinced by what people say because they are telling me their own ideas. I've got so many scriptures about this. So look at Paul, the very Paul who in, in, Philippians, in, in Philippians, he was saying, oh, I don't know what to choose. But I think I'm choosing rather to remain for your sake. I still have work to do. Okay? So sometimes you need to do that. Especially for you parents who still have young children. It's not a good choice for you to say, I'm choosing to depart and be with the Lord. It's far much better. Yes, it's far much better for you. But what about those little ones? Sometimes you say, I don't have to go. I still need to do this. I still need to do this. I still have this to do. And you agree with the Lord, you'll go. It's a personal matter between you and God. We can't determine for you what you should choose. Now, Paul chose not to go. Now, there came a time when he felt, it's time for me to go. I'm choosing to go. Look at it. Second Timothy, chapter 4, 6 to 8, King James Version. For I am now 
ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I like to live like Paul, where at time I say, it's not time yet. I'm not ready to go yet. I still have this and this to do. But then there would come a time when you say, I am now ready. I like those words, now ready. I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. He, he wants to go like somebody who is going to board a plane. When you are going to undertake a journey, you say, my, 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 my plane departs at such and such a time. So he says, the time of my departure is at hand. Paul, why are you now saying you are ready to go now? You just told us in Philippians that you were not ready to go. Why are you now ready? Verse 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. So each one of us have got our own course. That's why if you feel I still haven't finished my course, I still want to do this, you agree with your God, I still need to do this, I still need to do this, Lord, and this and this and this. And then there would come a time when you finish that, you say, now I want to be with the Lord. It's far much better. So he says, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not only to me, but unto all them that love his appearing. So you can see here, that Paul, just like Simeon, there came a time when he felt, I am now ready to depart. Even me, there will come a time when I'll tell you guys, now I'm ready to depart and be with the Lord, which is far much better. But when I still have things to do, and I know the Lord has revealed to me that I won't go, I won't depart until what I need to do is fulfilled, then I don't have to go. So, but there will come a time still when we can say, now I want to go. So, I just want, as I'm starting to begin the descent now, I want to just ask you a few things so that at least you can just think about this. Okay? I talked about a very sensitive issue of going before your time. It says, why die before your time? Okay? Did you know that it is God's will everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the Lord. Yes. The book of Peter talks about it is God's will that every, everyone should be saved and no one should perish. Yet, there are still people who don't get saved. There are still people who perish. It's not that it's God's will for them to perish. No. We are created with free will. We can choose. So similarly, even in this subject, I will show you what is God's will about him satisfying us with long life. So it means if God says something about it, I can take it and make it my own. But I can also choose to say, I know it's his will that, but this and this and this. So look at it with me in Psalms 91 verse 16, New King James Version. It says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So if it says with long life, I will satisfy him with, with I'll, I'll satisfy him, I'll show him my salvation. It means God's intention is to satisfy me with long life. And I can take it. And I am taking it. With long life, he's satisfying me. I want to see his salvation. I want to live and enjoy 
life and see many good days on the earth. Yes, I'm making that choice. But if I'm making that choice, there are some things that I need to do to align myself with God so that the things that I'm believing God for can come to pass. Look at it with me in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 10, NLT. 1 Peter 3.10 NLT, New Living Translation, it says, For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. If you want. Okay? If, it says, the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life, and see many happy days, then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. So it means I can choose to say, I want to enjoy life. I want to see many happy days. Now, if I make that choice, then I should do something. It's like when the Bible would say, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So it means if I want to eat the good of the land, I need to be willing and obedient. There are many places where you would find an if, so that then you can take what comes after the if. So if it says, if you want this, then do this. Okay? So Peter says, if you want to live and enjoy life and see many good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. So sometimes our tongues are a death trap. Your tongue was supposed to give life. You were supposed to speak life, but sometimes you speak death over your own body. Go with me to the book of Proverbs 18, 20 and 21 AMPC. Proverbs 18, 20 and 21 AMPC. Look at this. It says, A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth, and with the consequence of his words, he must be satisfied whether good or evil. So it means the consequence of my words can be good, the consequence of my words can be evil. But whatever I speak, I must be satisfied with the consequence of my words. That's why Peter says, if you want to live many days and enjoy, many, enjoy life and have many good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil. Okay? So it says here, you shall be filled with the fruit of your mouth. And you must be satisfied with the consequences of your words, whether good or evil. Then verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So if it says death and life are in the power of the tongue, so with the same tongue I can speak words that will bring death, with the same tongue, I can speak words that will bring life upon my life. Okay? Words are powerful. Words can heal. Words can destroy. Words can give life. Words can kill. You remember even when Jesus said to the fig tree, no one eat fruit from you here after forever. And then what happened to the fig tree? It withered. Because those words that were spoken were a curse. Okay? We always say Jesus cursed the fig tree. But he didn't say, fig tree, I'm cursing you. No, he spoke a words that were a curse. And then the fig tree had to dry up because it was cursed. 
and then you can speak words that are a curse, especially on the things you don't want to see in your body. You can speak a words, words that are a curse to, 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 to cancer cells in your body, to viruses in your body, to anything that is not needed in your body. Speak a word that will make them dry. Okay? But you also speak words that will bring life over your body. I like speaking words that, speak li that bring life to my body. I like speaking words that will make sure that I live long on the earth. I like speaking words that will make me prosperous, that will keep me protected, that will keep me preserved in the Lord. Now, <clears throat> as we uh, prepare to learn, let's go to Psalms 45, verse 1 in the NIV. Psalms 45, verse 1, <clears throat> NIV. And I want to show you that actually what you speak, when you are speaking, you are writing your destiny. You are writing your destiny. You are writing your destiny. So you can write life. You can write prosperity for yourself. Or you can write death. A death sentence for yourself. Because of the words you speak. Because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So I can use my tongue to speak life. So that I would even have that more of that life. Because Jesus said I have come that they might have life. And have it more abundantly. So Psalms 45.1 NIV. My heart is stirred by a noble theme. So if there is something that stirred in your heart, a noble theme, I think the issue for me, long life, prosperity, healing, those are noble themes. My heart gets stirred up by such themes. He says, my heart is stirred by a noble theme. As I reside, recite my verses for the king, my tongue, is the pen of a skillful writer. Okay? So, in Proverbs it says, <clears throat> death and life are in the power of the tongue. James talked about the tongue is a small part of the body, but it can uh, set the whole thing into fire. So you must tame your tongue. Now, here it says, my tongue is a pen of a skillful writer. I want to write my destiny. I want to speak words of life over myself and my loved ones. So I'm using my tongue as a pen of a skillful writer. I'm not going to speak to use my tongue for the sake of the enemy. I'm not going to talk for the devil. No, I'm not his ambassador. He must look for others if he needs ambassadors. I'm not going to talk for him. I talk life. I speak what my father has said. I speak life like my father speaks life. I speak light like my father speaks light. I declare things over my life, the things that I want to see. I do like what the psalmist says in Psalms 118 verse 17. Because when you've got a good word in your heart, he says, I've got this noble theme. I want to recite to the king. My tongue is like a pen of a ready writer, of a skillful writer. Now, this is one way you can also write. Psalms 118 verse 17. Let's say people are telling you, you're going to die, you are sick, you're going to die, you're sick, you're going to die. Or your mind tells you, you feel you're very much sick now and you want to give in to die. Uh, in any way, it's far much better to be with the Lord. Yeah, I will see this and this and this. You can choose that. But if you still have a will to live, your will to live can sustain you when you're sick. 
And then you can decide to speak like this. Psalms 118 verse 17, New King James Version. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. He says, mm -mm, I'm not going to die here. I want to live and declare the works of the Lord. Okay? So I told you, we've got these choices to make. There are so many promises that God has put in his word. But it's up to you and I to embrace those promises. Make them our own. And live by those promises. Live by all these great and precious promises. Actually, Peter puts it this way. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. As his divine power is New King James Version. As his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, and by which he has given us exceeding great and precious promises, that through this you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he says, there are so many promises that are given to us that we may live by them. But each promise, it only becomes yours when you actually take possession of it. So God talks a lot about divine health, about prosperity, about long life, about peace, about love, so many things. But then you only possess that part of the promise that you have put effort into it. Okay? You make effort. So Mark 4, 23 in the Amplified talks about the measure, he says, be careful what you are hearing. For the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will be measured back to you and more beside to you who hear. The measure of effort you give, that is the measure that will be measured back to you. Okay? So if you as a child of God are spending time spying the land, spying the promises of God, spending time in prayer, you will be rewarded. Because Joshua was told in Joshua 1 verse 3, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given you. So when he says every place that the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given you, it means if you don't tread on all those promises, you may not get it. So I'll read this last scripture for you. Isaiah 53, verse 1, King James Version. We are going to end it in a question. Okay? Just like we started with questions about death. And I told you it's about revelation. It's about what has been revealed. And if it's revealed to you, stick with it. Isaiah 53, verse 1, King James Version. says, Who hath believed our report? So I'm also asking you, do you believe this report? Do you believe what I've just shared with you? You can choose to believe it. You can also choose to be skeptical about it. You can choose to take it serious, but you can also choose to leave it. And he says, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So the arm of the Lord has to be revealed to you. The arm of the Lord has to be revealed to me. I can say I have seen the hand of God. Some of you, you've come through things where you shouldn't have been still alive by now. You can say, I have seen the hand of God. I have seen the arm of the Lord revealed in my life. 
Let's, let's keep on seeking God's face for our own lives that we may not be robbed of the rest of our days. Why die before your time? In Jesus' name. I'm going to close. And then we'll give announcements. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you and bless you. We honor you, my Father, for your word. You want us to hear these things, especially in days that we are living in, when we hear of so many people dying. Also, we see many people dying around us. We have questions about death. Mighty Father, we have questions. There are things we don't understand. But we thank you, Father, for what you have enlightened us to know. There are still things that we want to know, because you said secret things belong to you. But what is revealed is for us and our children to live by. So we will live with those that with what has been revealed to us, but we still respect that secret. The secrets belong to you. And Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, even for my beloved congregants. I pray for all those that are listening to my voice right now. Some of them might have been those who have been in the verge of giving up on life. I believe that this word has stirred them to live, that they will have a will to live. I say, live again, live again. Let there be life in your body. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that sickness. I rebuke that trap that the enemy has set to destroy your life with. I say, devil, you don't destroy them. They still have a work to do. In Jesus' name. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. That you are watching over your word to fulfill it. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You can see that I'm passionate about this and we need to. We need to speak about this. I don't speak about this often, but we need to know this, especially in the times that we live in. Amen.